Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast where we learn about the North Australian beef industry and answer your questions. So, it doesn't matter how far from town you are, because we're bringing the classroom to you. Welcome to the Cattle Station Classroom Podcast. In today's lesson, we are going to be learning about what's involved in buying and selling a pastoral lease in WA. And it's definitely a little more complicated than buying or selling a house in town. To do this, I'm joined by Carla Ringer, who is the Director of the Board Support Directorate within the WA Department of Planning, Lands and Heritage. Carl, thanks for coming back on the podcast. No worries, Steph. So let's talk about selling leases and transferring leases. If I own a cattle station and I decide to sell it, do I? is it just as simple as I go and find an agent I like, you know, get your pictures made, maybe a video and list it online? Is that all I have to do or is there something else involved? Uh, yeah, there's a bit more involved. So as, as we discussed last time, pastoral leases are ground land. Uh, the state's the landlord and obviously it wants to uh, make sure that whoever comes into the pastoral lease has the capacity to operate a pastoral lease. Uh, and so by law, the uh, any transfer of a pastoral lease can only happen with the consent uh, of the Minister for Lands. Uh, that process takes a bit of time and there's a couple of steps to that process. Does that mean then, so I want to sell my my lease, I let the department know, you said it's controlled by the Minister for Lands, does that mean it's possible that they'll turn around and say, no, you're not allowed to sell this, you must own this forever? They may not approve the buyer is the more usual sort of circumstance. Uh, so the Minister will be interested in, you know, whoever comes in to the pastoral lease that they have the capacity to operate the pastoral lease, uh, like financial capacity uh, and management capacity so that uh, they don't, that doesn't result in uh, land management issues or, or animal welfare issues. Okay. So it's not so much that they're going to say, no, you can't sell it. It might just be like, we're not sure about selling it to that person. It's it's not like you can never sell this. You must own it forever. Uh, that, that's the usual sort of thing that the minister, uh, uh, if someone wants to leave the industry or, or sell a piece of land, uh, ministers unlikely to want to make them stay for the rest of eternity. And um, and in in fact, uh, because of the duration of the pastoral leases, uh, uh, yeah, the pastoral lease may actually survive you as a lessee. So in which case. You've got a different problem. True. I guess worst case scenario, you could always just wait it out until it expires. 
Now, so if it's the purchaser that the minister is really looking at, what is it that they are looking for when deciding if they will approve or deny a sale? Um, so the, um, as I said earlier, it's, it's the capacity of the person to operate uh, a pastoral lease. Uh, and that is financial capacity. So in order to, you know, operate a pastoral lease successfully, you have to have money to buy things like fences and orders and, and all the other things you need, the capital investment stuff. So you need a certain amount of financial capacity. Uh, and the second thing is uh, operating partial lease is, is you know, it takes a specific set of skills. It's not something you learn at uh, TAFE or uni. It's something you learn by doing over a period of years. Uh, and so we, we ministers wanting to have people on the land that, that know what they're doing uh that have that management experience and capacity to run a pastoral lease. Okay. So if I win the lotto tomorrow and I win the $20 million jackpot and I see a station for sale for $18 million and that's the one I want to buy, but that's, that's pretty much all the money I've got. So it's not just being able to show that you can purchase the actual property itself, but that you've got to be able to, because obviously I'd have about $2 million left over and then, you know, we've got taxes and all that kind of fun stuff, but you've got to be able to show that you've got the capital there for ongoing operating expenses and investments and all other sorts of things that are involved. It's not just, I can physically afford to purchase. It's it's like, you know, they say buying the horse is the cheapest part of the whole experience. You buy the horse, that's a one-off thing, but you've got to keep it alive and pay for the rest of its life. It's kind of like sounding like that with the station then. Yeah, that's right. So the first thing we'd look at is uh, what sort of financial capacity you have uh, to run a station. So it's, as you say, uh, you might have just had enough money to scrape through the, uh, the, the purchase price. But, uh, you know, uh, in order to run a pastoral station, you do need some money in the bank account, uh, to, uh, you know, pay for things that break down or things that needs fixing, uh, things like that. So we, we would look at uh, your ongoing financial capacity as well. Uh, what if though I have an endless supply of money so I can buy the station and I can show I've got all the dollars to put in all the infrastructure I want and pay staff and and keep everything running. Is that enough on its own to allow me to buy the station? Uh, no. So then there's, there's two more things that come into it. Uh, the first thing really is uh, your experience as a pastoral essay. And as we've established, you have limited experience or no experience operating a pastoral lease. Uh, so in that situation, I would, uh, or we would ask you to produce a, uh, a management plan. Like, what are you going to do over the next three, four, five years? Who are you going to engage to help you out with that, like a station manager or someone like that? Uh, what is your priorities? Uh, we'd probably ask you to look at some scenarios, like, you know, let's say uh, that uh, it doesn't rain for the next three seasons. Uh, what exactly are you going to do in that sort of circumstance? And maybe a best-case scenario as well, but usually people are really good with the, the best-case scenarios, not so good with the uh, with the uh, with uh, the less good scenarios. So that's what we'd be uh, be looking at. The second thing is too um, that supposing you, you've ticked the financial capacity box and the management capacity box to the minister's satisfaction, uh, there's then uh, some requirements in relation to 
the amount of land you might already own uh, and also um, in relation to purchases of partial leases by foreign entities as well. Uh, so... Okay, so so I've got all the money, that's not an issue. I either do have the experience and that's not an issue or if I don't, I've been able to demonstrate that I have the capacity to bring that experience together to be able mm. to manage this pastoral lease. So say I'm some fancy, I don't know, tech person that doesn't know the first thing about cows but I've got lots of money and I know enough to be able to pull in a good station manager and all these advisors and do all that so I've ticked the box there. But what if I already own half of WA, or not half, but you know, a lot of land? What is the, what is the cutoff or the threshold there that you guys start looking at those kind of things? Uh, so the law contemplates that if you have more than 500,000 hectares of pastoral land after, you know, the adding your latest purchase, uh, then the minister, in addition to what I've just explained in terms of capacity, uh, ministers required to apply a public interest test. Uh, now that's a test to see whether. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You owning even more land than what you've already got is in the, is is not against the public interest, uh, and that public interest test is is quite broad, and it's it's really up to the minister to apply it. Uh, so, the minister will look into whether you know your holdings are concentrated, uh, what you're doing with your other pastoral land holdings, uh, how it might affect, um, you know, anything that any other plans that the government might have in in those regions, if you're honest. You know, if you were on a larger part of the region, all those sorts of public interest test questions. Uh, so that's not something that the department applies. It, it can advise the minister, but it's very much that something that the minister would consider himself. So from a purchaser's perspective, you obviously need to uh, go through an approvals process to, to be allowed to purchase a pastoral lease. What is the, um, I suppose, the time process uh, that this takes because I'm just wondering if there's a few people interested in a property, like can you get sort of pre-approved like some people can for a car loan or is it every time you're interested in a property, do you, and, and can you get pre-approved before you make an offer or do you have to make an offer on the property and then find out if you're approved? Like what's the order of things? All right. So the, the way we run the process is because there's a number of steps involved. Uh, so firstly, if you um, are wanting to buy a station, uh, you want to know whether there's any uh, requirements on that station that might affect your business plan. So for instance, if there's the Partial Lands Board has determined that uh, stocking numbers have to be reduced, uh you know, that's going to affect your decision as a purchaser to buy the lease. Now, the only way you can find that out is from the, the seller or from us. And we as a government won't disclose that sort of information because it's commercially confidential. Uh, and so what we do as part of the process, first step in the process is, uh, the, uh, the outgoing lessee, the seller, uh, 
requests from us what the uh, conditions of sale might be and we will provide a list of conditions of sale which includes uh, whatever might be outstanding from the pastoral lands board. It, it includes, uh, you know, them disclosing the most recent rangeland condition, uh, assessment that occurred on the, on the lease and, and all those other things that the purchaser would want to know. Um, so the purchaser then, or prospective purchaser or purchasers, uh, then receive that information. We're happy to share it and comment on it because we've got the uh, permission from the, the outgoing lessee. Now it's a choice for the, seller whether they you know first narrow down the field before they start disclosing that sort of information or and then we just deal with the one purchaser or whether you know they they are happy for us to disclose it to all and sundry uh and that's that's really uh different from purchaser from seller to seller uh so that's the first step in the process so you give everyone the information that they need in order to make their their bid uh, then as a, this is a commercial transaction. So at some point, uh, the purchaser and seller will sign a contract of sale. Uh, and that contract of sale would then be subject to, uh, the consent of the minister for lands, uh, to the, uh, the respective, uh, to the, uh, to the sale. Uh, so at that point, the uh the purchaser and the uh the seller come to us with the documents that they've agreed on uh we then put all the information about the purchaser and the seller to the minister for lands who who provides the consent um if you're a purchaser and you're you're worried about you know sticking all the energy into it and you might not be approved uh you know with the consent of the seller we we can work with the, uh, the prospective purchaser to have a look at things like draft management plans, for instance, and comment on that and feed them back and say, well, you haven't provided enough information here. Can you, you know, provide that information there and, and what do you mean there? So we, we can work with you there, but, uh, at the end of the day, it's a decision for the minister. And, uh, you know, whilst we can provide the minister with all the information, uh, uh, uh it's the minister's call as to what he approves and what he doesn't approve. So there's certainly a lot involved from both sides, the seller and the buyer, and it's a lot more complicated than buying a piece of, like, you know, a house in town. On this line of thinking of finding out things before you, like, commit to purchasing a station, I understand that at the time of recording, the way a diversification permit works is that it's with the person, not the property. So if I wanted to buy a station that, say, has pivots on it with irrigated agriculture, that station would have to have a permit to be able to use those pivots and undertake that activity. If I want to buy that station, I don't get the permit to do that. You need to apply separately. So I'm just wondering what the process is there. Like, do I purchase it and then hope that, you know, they'll just give me one too? Or can you kind of, again, like this pre-approval, ask if you're going to get one before you commit to buying the station? Because you'd be really... I guess, um, not too happy if you went through with a, a sale and then realised that you weren't going to be able to do what you thought you were going to be able to do on that, on that piece of land. That's right. And it's even more complicated than that because, uh, whilst the Minister for Lands approves or not the, the transfer, it's the Pastoral Lands Board, which is a separate body that, uh, issues or reissues the permit. So there's two separate bodies that we're talking about. Um, so, in many cases, permits are, you know, integral to the, the value of a station and the, the operations of a station. And we are aware of that as a government. Uh, 
at the moment, when you transfer a, a pastoral lease, then the permit is issued to the, the lessee. So that as soon as the, per, the lessee leaves, then the permit falls away. And yes, you're right, you need a new permit. There's nothing to stop the incoming lessee from applying to the pastoral lands board while the you know transfer process is still on foot. And if the uh, if there's no issues with the uh, the permit itself, like there's no breaches of permit conditions or things like that, uh, the pastoral lands board may decide uh, to issue or reissue the permit, uh, subject to the, the obviously the, the the transfer being uh, going ahead and the minister providing that approval for the transfer. So, uh, it, the way we like to run the process is that we can issue uh, grant a transfer for the lease the lease is registered in the new transfer's name uh, the new lessee's name and you know 5 minutes later they uh, they receive the approved uh, permit uh, reissue as well uh, that's ideal circumstances sometimes it doesn't quite happen that way cuz you know uh, it takes time the partial lands board only meets once every two months uh, but we we do try to uh to make sure that the people have as much certainty as, as we can. Uh, the important thing here is the same with the transfers to come to us early, uh, as early as you can, uh, not, you know, uh, say that uh, transfers, uh, settlements happens on Monday, uh, we all need to do all this, you know, this week. Uh, we, we usually can't, but if we know about it, uh, then we can, certainly help people to uh, to work through the process in a way that uh, is logical and doesn't leave uncertainties. Cool. Uh, now, the, um, we are working on some legislation, uh, as uh, I think Alison said in an earlier past podcasts, uh, and one of the changes that we're proposing is uh, that the Pastoral Lands Board um, must uh approve the reissue of a permit or the transfer of a permit if uh there's no compliance issues with that permit so if then you know if those changes go through your lease is transferred you're in good standing in relation to your permit you know that the permit is going to be transferred and that's it for today's lesson to learn more about this topic or to get in touch with our guest visit www dplh.wa.gov.au. See you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 